We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined by Santa Fachi himself, giving out Pacers victories tonight, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's up, brother? Hey, a win for all. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, look, I'm happy that the Pacers are back on winning track. Oh, you don't want to slip below 500. Even if it's just one game above 500, it just shows this team's going in the right direction. Alex, I thought tonight was a great test against a top five defensive unit Houston team that we talked about offline. 12 and 2 at home. This game had a little bit of everything. Pacers going up big early, and then Houston crawling back, taking the lead. And Indiana did not roll over. They fought back. They grind out this win 123 to 117. But take me from the beginning, Alex. I mean, what were you thinking going into this game? Yeah, I mean, I was listening to the radio this morning. Uh, Rick Carlisle did rule Bruce Brown out on the radio early around like 9-10. And then when they asked him about potential lineup changes, he just said, as they say in the show business, stay tuned. And so it kind of got you wondering, are they going to make a change? Because he did hint at that after they played the Clippers and they made no change to the to the starting lineup. And then tonight, he did make a drastic change. You had Tyrese Halliburton start at the one, Andrew Nimard at the two, Aaron Neesmith at the three, Jalen Smith back in the starting lineup as the four and Miles Turner at the five. So the Pacers go really, really big here, which they hadn't done in a long time. And I, I kind of enjoyed seeing them change things up because things had not been working out for them, Pacha. They had lost six of their last seven games and their only win game against the Hornets, which we talked about last week without LaMelo and Mark Williams. And so it wasn't like you felt great about it, but it was just nice to see somebody like, you know, stop the losing streak, get in the win column. But this game against Houston, you know, I think Houston had pretty much everybody healthy. 
Um, I know Dylan Brooks went out in the in the third quarter of this mm-hmm. game, but you know this felt like, and this this is not a hot take. This is an obvious statement, but the best win since the in season tournament uh, victory over the Milwaukee. Definitely, I completely agree with that. I think that is. Uh, I think everybody would say that because this is a Houston team that, as of right now, would be slated to be in the playoffs for you know the West. Like I mentioned, a good defensive team, and I felt like lately they have been playing some really good basketball. There have been players that might not have played great tonight, like Jabari Smith Jr. He had been on fire lately. But Houston is completely different than what we saw the previous two years. But going back to that lineup change, I think something had to happen because it got to the point where the fan base was saying, like, could we just do we sit back and just accept we're not a good defensive team and we just try and beat everybody with offense? That's not sustainable. You get some of the very best, if not the best defenders, I would say, that the Pacers have to offer. Came into the starting lineup. Obviously, Bruce Brown's out. But Neesmith, uh, Nemhard, and Jalen Smith going in there gave the Pacers a boost. And they started out the game hot. I mean, Jalen Smith starts out the game with a block immediately. I love to see that. The starters were up like 17-12 to 12 before they made any changes. 23-15, to 15, you know, at one point in the first quarter, it felt like you got off to a hot start and it just felt like this group was energized Mm -hmm. you were able to see that watching this team and i felt like they needed to shake it up because guys like buddy and obi in the starting lot they just weren't cutting any longer because those they're just not doing it on both sides of the ball and i felt like tonight you got more of a concerted effort i know 117 points holding a team to isn't Something to write home about, but it's good for the Pacers. It is a far cry from 130, 140 points, which feels like they were giving up that much every other week. We knew that we knew that Tyrese and Miles were going to stay put in that starting five. Now, what other changes were they going to make? That was a big question mark. And I think what Rick Carlisle basically did is said, okay, who plays the hardest every single time they're out on the floor? Andrew Nimhard, Aaron Neesmith, Jalen Smith. And I think he just said, I want to start the game off right because we've been getting off the slow starts, you know, game after game after game. But I will say this. I think the Pacers have gotten better defensively over the last four games, Fachi. When they beat the when they beat the Hornets, they held them to 113 points. When they lost to the Grizzlies, they held them to 116. The Magic only scored 117, and the Rockets only scored 117. So the Pacers have, in my opinion, taken steps defensively to get better. Now, they still have their issues like you talked about, but they started out strong with this group. Aaron Neesmith got into quick foul trouble, which is always going to be an issue with him because of how hard that he plays and just getting himself out of position too often with, with certain defensive rotations and things like that. But I love the energy that he plays with. It wasn't like Orlando where you had, you know, like five guys with three fouls at the half. It was, you know, just a couple guys here got some foul trouble, but I thought it was really good to see the the starting unit kind of be more defensive-minded. But my biggest concern going into this was, man, if you bring Buddy, Ben, and Obi off the bench together, that does not scream successful defensive stops with that second unit. And then you got guys like Aaron Holiday, you know, a former Pacer having a revenge game going off. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you can rotate the, the lineup a little bit and make some changes, but you've got to do a better job of balancing when all three of those guys are on the court together because if they play significant minutes together, I don't know what the numbers are this year when those three are on the court together, but I can only imagine the defensive rating has not been good. No, it definitely can't be good. And uh, Aaron Holiday, 
absolute blast from the past. I, I, during the game, they was said it a blast, 15 though? points. It, 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 I don't know about a blast. It, it was a throwback. I, honestly, I couldn't believe when I looked it up. I was like, he's only been in the league for six years. It, I would have just probably thrown, I don't know, seven, eight, whatever. It feels like it's been longer just because so much has happened since the Aaron Holiday days. But he dropped 15 points in this game. They, I think I think the broadcast said that was like his second best performance all season. So kind of feels typical. Of course, he had a, a great game against the Pacers, but definite revenge game. But yeah. also with this starting line, this is a, a unit that we had not seen together. I mean, b- between Nemhard missing games and Jalen Smith missing games, that five had not been together. So it's going to take some time to develop some chemistry. But talking about the bench unit that we saw tonight, Alex, I don't want to kick them while they're down, but is there any surprise that the Pacers with the two worst plus minus in this game, or you could say the three, is Obi Toppin was minus 14, Buddy Heald was minus 10, and Ben Matherin was minus 6. And I just feel like this is why you had to shake things up in the starting lineup because as good as things went in this game, I mean, Buddy Buddy was rough tonight. He was rough on both sides of the ball, and I, and I, I just felt like it showed. And I'm happy the Pacers made some changes because it was time to make some changes. And I think that a win like this, you hope it can bring some momentum. I liked what I saw from that new starting five tonight. I mean, Buddy Hield still got 33 minutes off the bench, and I think part of that had to yes, do with did. some foul trouble and then Jalen Smith getting hurt in that fourth quarter, having yep. to leave the game, and they didn't bring him back. I, I feel like Buddy Hield made some timely threes, though. I know he was only 3 of 11 from the field, but the one that he hit in the corner from the Nimhart pass was big. I think he had a couple to kind of start out the fourth. Maybe it was the end of third. I, I can't remember exactly. Everything's kind of just, uh, you know, all jumbled up in my head right here, but – I felt like Buddy Hill made some timely threes, but then he did miss a lot of wide open ones. And you're just like, he did. Oh, it's so frustrating. But Obi Toppin, I don't know how many times it felt like he was in position to get a rebound and then just let somebody come in there and steal the ball right away from him. And then there was one play specifically where he was in front of the Pacers bench and he caught the ball on the in the corner. And I'm like, just shoot the basketball. And instead of shooting it, he tries to, you know, take somebody off the dribble and score and loses the ball. I'm like, okay, like, There is a reason why he only plays 15 minutes. He can't guard anybody. He's not an effective rebounder. And pretty much all he can do is make flashy dunks or catch lobs and shoot threes when he's open. Like, there's a reason why the Knicks only get two second-round picks for him. And I'm not trying to kick a guy while he's down like you're saying, but for a six foot nine athletic freak that he is, he can't guard anybody. His lateral quickness is awful. His timing is bad on defense. He just gets out of position. I, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just like you needed to put him on the bench. I understand that. I feel like taking him away from Tyrese just makes him even worse. So yes. that was the only reason I was a little bit surprised they did pull him from the starting lineup because I feel like Tyrese makes him you know, as good as he's been this year. So it's, it's one of those things where I think Carlisle just said, look, I've got to change things up defensively. And when you're throwing Jalen Smith in there to – guard other fours over Obi Toppin when Jalen to me is more of a natural five mm-hmm. that just shows you how desperate this team is for someone to play the power four position once again this year and yes we can talk about Jairus Walker if we want but he's not ready <laughs> I'm not worried about that but I'm just saying for a team trying to make the playoffs Rick Carlisle basically making this move says to me okay I don't trust Obi Toppin and I don't blame him. I, I really don't. This is not the first time this season that Obi's been yanked from the starting lineup. 
He ended up going back into the starting lineup, you know, earlier when he he came off the bench for one game. But now I, I just feel that it's probably time to keep him on the bench a little bit longer because Jalen Smith was good tonight. He really was before he got hurt. And to, to, to touch on that, I tweeted it out, but I just feel like Jalen Smith's had some rough luck this year of like he's had to go back to the trainers. So like I feel like what feels like three or four times this year, maybe even more just to get looked at for just kind of like freak accidents. Like like Neesmith's shoulder goes into his head. You know, it looked like he was seeing stars. And when I say stars, it had to be more than one because the Pacers only have one in Tyrese mm-hmm. Halbert. So that had to have been something else. I hope, he, you know, his head's all right. But for Jalen Smith, I mean, in this game, he's a plus 11. The Pacers needed the size. He had 12 points, eight boards. He had that uh, two blocks and a steal. He does all this in 22 minutes. Yeah, I just feel that even though he's not naturally a four, the Pacers are getting more of what they need with Jalen Smith at the four than what Obi's bringing to the table right now. Because we can sacrifice a couple of points to save some points, but Jalen Smith had 12 points. I just feel that he could be good for about a double-double. It could be, you know, 12 and 8, something like that. I feel is not unrealistic to count on him, but I was happy with his performance tonight. And uh, Andrew Nemhart, you know, to, to move over to Nemhart a little, little bit, he had some turnovers tonight. He did. But I feel that Nemhart's defense is what you needed. And then when it mattered most, at the end of the game, he showed up. That basket right over there, I feel like, was everything. You tweeted it out. Something about that's why you have him in the lineup because Tyrese is being double teamed. It's like Nemhard, that secondary playmaker. I just feel that the best is yet to come for Andrew Nemhard this year. Yeah, and I, and I know that people will probably say, or Rick would definitely say, like, well, Bruce can make that same play too. Maybe. But I just feel like Nemhard to me has been more impactful defensively when he's been out there. I think he's more of a grinder when it comes to being a defensive type of player. Then a guy like Bruce Brown, who I think is smart, and they're both very intellectual players. You talked about, I mean, Nimhart had some really dumb passes, and he got yeah, completely he stripped at the end of the first quarter by Tari Eason, and I was just like, okay, th- those those are some dumb passes, and I think he was trying to force Six a Six turnovers. Bit. Yeah, he was, he was forcing a little bit too much, and it kind of felt like how he started things off against Philadelphia. But I will say this, that shot making that he has in that 10-foot range, that fadeaway jumper that he's really crafted – that has uh, done, that's been really good for the pace. I feel like that's almost like an automatic bucket. And then you saw how Houston adjusted and really kind of took that away from him when he got into the paint. But he does a good job of making the right pass. And I, I highlighted it earlier when I talked about Buddy Hill hitting that three in the corner. Like Nimhard drove baseline and was staring at Tyrese, and so it froze the defense. And then he just threw a no look pass to Buddy in the in the left corner, and Buddy drilled a three. And you know, it's just like little things like that is why you want a guy like Nimhard in the game. And we're going to continue to see, Pacer fans are going to continue to see Tyrese Halliburton get thrown different looks. And yeah, you know, you can get mad about Nimhart having six turnovers, but it's nice to have a playmaker next to Tyrese that can break down the defense when the when the defense is in scramble mode and get you a bucket when you need one the most. So I uh, want to go back to what you said about Jalen Smith. Uh, obviously, it's a small sample size. It's his first start of the year, only played 23 minutes. We're not saying he should be the starting power forward moving forward. We're just saying that it was a good performance from him. But I also want to give credit to one more big that came off the bench tonight, and that's Isaiah Jackson. In that third quarter, Miles Turner gets his fourth foul pretty early into the third. And I Very thought early. to myself, is this going to be problematic now that, you know, Miles is in foul trouble? It was not. It was the exact 
opposite, actually. Isaiah Jackson comes into the game, plays next to Jalen Smith, and they were kind of sharing the load defensively who was guarding who. I wouldn't necessarily say one was more the four than the five. I would say offensively, you're probably seeing Jalen Moore as the four, where Isaiah was more of the role man as the five, and then probably switched on defense on the other side. But Isaiah's activity in that third quarter was huge, Fachi. And you could just tell the difference between having Miles out there versus Isaiah just in terms of the foot quickness, the ability to recover and block shots, and, and not having two kind of slow-footed guys and, and Miles and Jalen trying to guard out there in space. I, I like the size that they that they brought to the table and the rim protection, but Isaiah Jackson can do all that with a little bit more speed. And being a little bit smaller and a little bit more limber, I felt like he did a really nice job stepping up in that quarter. Held the, held the Rockets at 23 points in the third. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then that was big. I mean, Isaiah Jackson, I just feel like, has now become someone that you can count on. I, I really do feel like when you're giving him roughly 15 minutes per night, he's made a count. Mm-hmm. Tonight, just extremely efficient. I mean, three for three, but it's the eight rebounds. It's the three blocks. I mean, the eight rebounds, that's tied for the lead, uh, the lead on the Pacers with Jalen yeah. Smith. So I, I just feel like I, I loved what I saw out of Isaiah Jackson. But, yeah, 
I got worried because Jalen Smith, Miles Turner, they both had three fouls apiece going into the third. Like you mentioned, Turner picks up that fourth foul at like roughly the 11-minute mark. And I went, oh, my God, this isn't going to be good. So I felt like he stepped up just when we needed him. But that third quarter, the Pacers played, you know, both sides of the ball. They outscored um, Houston by 14 points. We saw Tyrese go absolutely bananas. I mean, he had 13 points in the quarter. It was really just catching fire. And I just felt like that was a pivotal point in this game where the Pacers went from trailing to all of a sudden at one point, they pushed that lead to being up by as many as 12. That third quarter and how they responded coming out of halftime was, I, I felt like, I don't want to say the difference maker because Houston crawls back on this game, but it was a it was a big point in this game of, okay, are you going to let Houston start to run away with this or are you going to respond? And I felt like this was a great response, but it was also great to see that the pitchers would be tested again and they would respond once more. No, and I mean, you, you got to give them credit because they took a three-point deficit and turn that into a double-digit lead, right? So yep. that that's what you want to see from this Pacers team. And obviously the fourth quarter could have been a lot better. It was sloppy. And I felt like the game was kind of sloppy from start to finish. You, you, you touched on it. Houston's a great defensive team, but then you also have to throw in the fact that you're throwing out different lineup combinations that haven't played as much together. So you're going to have disorganization with that team chemistry, and it's going to get better over time. But in the first game, I mean, to me, I'm like, okay, we're seeing different lineups like we've never seen before. How are they going to gel together? And it did feel a little clunky at times, and I think guys are trying to get used to it. But I also think you saw some guys pressing a little bit, specifically off the bench in that second quarter, maybe beginning of the first or uh, first part of the or the part of the first quarter when they came into the game, and then that second quarter, some of those guys, especially Mather, and they were kind of pressing a little bit, trying to prove, okay, I want to get more playing time, I want to be involved in this, you know. Because I think Rick kind of sent a message like, what are we doing? And and Rick was not happy after that Orlando game. Like, yeah, the Pacers fought back in the third quarter and made that a one-point game against Orlando. But that first half, they just completely got dominated. They were down by 14 points against Orlando. And it was like, why can't we get off to strong starts? Why does it take us getting our butts kicked for 24 minutes to get us to wake up in the second half? And I felt like they established the tone early on and it kind of – Carried them throughout the game. They never got too far down. I know the, the biggest lead I think Houston had was 10 points, but that never felt like it was getting too far away from the Pacers, and I was just really impressed with the resiliency that they had to keep fighting and clawing back despite you know being in a, a tough home environment and, and playing on the road against a really solid Houston team that I think is probably better than um, – they played better than their roster would say they are on paper. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about kind of clunky and, and all that. Say sloppy. The Pacers had 20 turnovers yeah. in this game. You're rarely going to win a game when you have 20 turnovers. But the Pacers were able to overcome that. Then I feel they were also able to overcome Miles Turner being in foul trouble. Like I mentioned, we picked he picked up his fourth foul early on. Then there was the fifth later. We wondered how he'd be able to respond for that. Turner had eight points, I want to say, early on. It might have been in the first quarter or so. And then really wasn't able to do much in the second and third. So they were able to overcome that. Then Tyrese Halliburton, after he caught fire, he had 28 points at the 6 minute and 45 second mark of the third quarter. He didn't score again until about six and a half minutes in the fourth. So he almost goes, he pretty much goes scoreless for a full quarter. The Pacers, obviously, that was when they were starting to fall down. 
So I think that we saw just a little bit of guys stepping up when you needed them. We talked about the Nemhard shot that really put away Houston, silenced the crowd. So he stepped up there. You know, you had Isaiah Jackson step up when Jalen Smith left. You had Miles Turner step up down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I feel like Turner was was really active, was able to get to the free throw line, was able to get a couple baskets here and there. So, and then Buddy, like you mentioned before, those threes. I looked at it was he made two threes basically at the very end of the third. So two of his three threes kind of, you know, set the Pacers up for some success going into the fourth. But overall, I mean, Indiana winning a game where they score 22 points in the fourth, you really wouldn't expect that. But it, it always helps if you can hold the team below 30 in that same quarter. The Pacers were able to do that at least twice tonight. That's a, that's a, that's a big deal for this Indiana team defensively. Yeah, no, I thought they played pretty good defense, and then Fred Van Vliet really was not making a lot of shots, just 7 of 18 from the field. It was more of a Sengun and everybody else was just scoring. We definitely got to give him his credit. Yeah. Sengun was eating tonight. Very yeah. impressive. He made the Pacers' bigs look a little bit foolish at times. Definitely they have a special player on their hands in uh, Alpern Sengun. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I wanted to say this. like He is never going to leave his feet. But I don't know how many times guys fell for his pump fake and they're jumping out of the a lot trying to guard him. I'm like, what are we doing? Why are we getting out of position? Like, he's not going anywhere. Just stay on your feet. He's not that kind of guy. He doesn't have any, like, uh, lateral. Like, he's not going to be that quick. He's just got great footwork. And I thought, okay, what are, what are we doing? But I will say this. Uh, I, I want to touch on Tyrese's big three when the game was 107-107, which was probably a bigger Massive. shot. Then Nimhard's floater, even though yes. they kind of sealed the game for us. The Pacers run an incredible play here, Fachi, because you're thinking, okay, they're going to target Sengun. They're going to send the help off this Sengun pick and roll, and someone else is going to trap. So the Pacers kind of do a double pick here. And so they send Neesmith up to set the original pick, get Jabari Smith switched on to Tyrese, and then Turner comes up to set the screen and get Sengun on Halliburton Island, as I like to call it. And that just gave him the space that he needed. It was kind of similar to how they attacked Brooke Lopez because, you know, Sengun yeah, cannot point. guard in space, right? You know, no. that is one thing that we know that uh, Sengun cannot do is really defend in space. And so Tyrese Halliburton was able to get that one-on-one -on -one matchup, create that separation, hit that step back three, and hit another clutch three. I even saw somebody the other night say Tyrese Halliburton's not a clutch player. I said, do you have a uh, short-term memory loss? How many big shots has he hit? Just this season alone, like a lot. I feel like when the game's on the line and Tyrese Halliburton has the ball in his hands, like that three has got a higher chance of going in than it does when we're in the middle of the second quarter. I just he's laser focused and he took a great shot and he made it. So I just want to say Tyrese has done a really good job of just kind of staying the course after having a little bit of a, a tough stretch there, trying to figure out how to adjust to these new defensive schemes that teams are throwing at him. But one thing that I, I tweeted out, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but he is definitely taking more two-point shots in that 15 to 20-foot range than we have seen him take in previous games. It was usually threes or layups. But right now, it's kind of like, okay, if the defense is going to give you an 18-footer, let me take that pull-up and kind of hang in the air a little bit longer than he normally does. And he's making those shots, and I'm thinking, okay, if he can add that wrinkle into his game, it's going to make him more versatile where teams aren't going to be able to give him any shots because he's going to be hitting from not just layups but threes and the mid-range. And I'm glad that Carlisle is allowing him to kind of take more of those mid-range shots too. That was going to be my next point because we've known that in the last few years, you know, Carlisle's labeled the mid-range jail. It doesn't 
doesn't want it. Halliburton, you can trust him. I just feel like he has always been throughout his career thus far an extremely efficient shooter. So I think that you can live and die by, by Tyrese, you know, in terms of, hey, if he's going to take the shot, you could live with it. I think when he, he was going through that heat check in the third, the finally when he missed, it was a 30-foot three-pointer that he put up because he was just so hot that it was like, hey, just, just keep shooting. Go with it. So there's no one I trust more when the game's on the line than Tyrese on this Pacers team. But for people to say that he's not, not clutch is crazy. It might not be buzzer beaters. He's had so many shots to put teams away or to go up with about a minute to go or 40 mm. seconds to go. He's had a lot of those shots. So, uh, and then also, I just want to tip my hat a little bit. Your boy, Tari Easton, he looked good. He, he was just active. I mean, I he was a plus nine in this game. And I just yeah. felt like they, they have themselves a good player in Tari Easton. And I mentioned it earlier, but Jabari Smith Jr. had been on fire coming into this game. He was coming off scoring 26 points and 11 boards against New Orleans. He had 21 points and 8 boards against Dallas. He had 34 and 13 boards against Atlanta in his last three games. Pacers hold him to 10 points and 6 boards. I just feel like that was an underrated part of this game. Also, Jalen Green, very streaky. The second overall pick, like he, he, he flashes start potential at times was an absolute non-factor in this game with just five points on two of seven shooting. And then Alex, we didn't touch on it, but Dylan Brooks not getting a technical foul for standing over Tyrese and bumping him was one of the craziest things. I mean, that ref needs to get his eyes checked. He was right in front. How do you not call that? But you're going to whistle Neesmith for a technical after dunking like that was crazy. Yeah. After the block shot, I think Neesmith kind of like stared that, at the guy and they didn't call and they called a technical on Neesmith a couple of games ago. I think it was against Charlotte. Or yes, something that's like what that. it was, Yep. And it's just one of those things where it's like, look, I don't necessarily think that it was. I don't think Dylan Brooks should have got a technical foul for that, in my opinion. But the way the league has been calling them this year. Exactly. Yes. And that's what's frustrating because you see the level of inconsistency all throughout how games are officiated and. I understand, like, I, I still don't like it, but we see stars get more favorable calls and things like that. And they pick and choose what they want to prioritize with their foul calls and stuff like that. But, no, I was a little bit baffled, to be honest with you, that he didn't get at least something for that. Because if you're watching the Pacers broadcast, they didn't really have the full clip. And so it's kind of like you saw Dylan Brooks kind of staring at Tyrese. But I think Tyrese was actually fronting him and kind of like lost his balance on that pass anyway that Dylan Brooks got the ball and then made like a, a very unemphatic dunk right there. And he's like mean mugging about it. I'm just like, okay, I mean, that's Dylan Brooks. I, I kind of expect that. But with Dylan Brooks' reputation too, to not give him a tech for that was a little bit more surprising to me uh, than anything else, especially when he kind of bumped him as they were running down the court too. I mean, kudos to Dylan Brooks for being kind of the instigator there. But I, I really did like Tyrese's uh nonchalant response to it and just kind of just getting up and playing through it and not allowing it to affect him but you're right that was one of those things where it's like the way they have called technical fouls this year for that not to be whistled was a little bit jarring i just feel like the ref couldn't have been any closer i mean so no, I, it's not they like just he, said they were gonna it. Do he it. just yeah so okay sure i just hope they keep it consistent if if this is the the new thing that they're not going to call but overall I was excited the Pacers there are hopefully able to get back on track. Don't want to overlook 
anything, but we do play Chicago. Now Chicago beat us earlier in the season, so that's why I think that this Pacers team has done well when they play a team for that second time, and I think that they're not going to overlook Chicago. I don't know what Bruce Brown's status will be by then, or Jalen Smith. Hopefully both of them are all right, but I do think that uh, assuming at least Jalen Smith is healthy, this Pacers team, if they run it back, like to see that starting five again. Um, I, I believe, I, I don't know, I think Zach Levine is still out. Yeah, he's still uh, out. I want to say. He's out. He's for still like out. A while. Okay. Uh, Chicago beat Atlanta tonight, so you still don't want to overlook them. But regardless, it's a winnable game for the Pacers to hopefully be able to continue this momentum. Then they'll have one more game against the New York Knicks at home to close out 2023. Would really like to close out 2023 with some momentum, staying afloat, staying above 500. But I think if you told me right now the Pacers would be above 500 right now, 15 and 14, I would say, yeah, okay, that, that's probably right where I hoped they would be at this point. I don't think that we're ahead of expectations by any means. If you wanted to go off of the Vegas predictions, we are. I think they only had the Pacers winning about 37, 38 games. So it still has us as an above 500 team. But through this stretch right now, uh, 15 and 14, what, what do you think? Yeah, like it was really funny because yesterday on the podcast, um, I did a mailbag on Christmas night. And one of the questions was, what do you think the Pacers record will be at the end of January? And in January, we got 17 games. There's a lot of tough opponents. And I didn't even look at what we had previously picked at the beginning of the year. I was just going off what we've seen so far. And I actually thought we were going to lose this game against Houston just because after the holidays, a team that's playing really well at home, like, okay, I didn't expect any lineup changes from Rick Carlisle, to be honest with no, you. Specifically not at after, that point. <laughs> especially after not doing it against the Clippers. Like, I thought, okay, maybe he's not going to make any changes. So I was impressed that he did it. I thought it was kind of the right wake-up call. But, you know, I, I think they can beat Chicago. I think they can still beat New York. But Chicago, you talked about yep. it. They did beat the Hawks tonight. They've won four of their last five. And they beat yeah. they beat the uh, the seventy sixers on the road. They've beaten the Good Lakers, um, and then you know they beat the Hawks in a close game tonight. They did lose to Cleveland, and they also did uh, beat the Spurs. But that's kind of not surprising. The Spurs have not been very good this year, so. Nah. But still, some quality wins there against the Lakers, who have been struggling, but still a good basketball team. That was a four-point win for them. No, excuse me, that was a sixteen-point win for them, and then a four-point win over the seventy sixers on the road. That's that's a good win right there. For the Bulls, and they only lost by two the previous game to the Heat uh, before that. So they're playing much better basketball without Zach Levine. And you don't like to say addition by subtraction, but I think that it's allowed them to kind of play a different style, maybe. maybe. And the Pacers are going to have to deal with another big man who has given Miles Turner problems in his career, Nikola Vucevic. And then DeMar DeRozan is just that mid-range assassin. And I don't, I don't know if the Pacers have the right person to guard him, I'm sure Neesmith will probably get the assignment for the majority of the game. Maybe you'll see Andrew Nimhart on him as well. But like you said, Bruce Brown, still unsure if he'll play or not. Rick Carlisle, when he talked about Bruce Brown's injury, just basically said that there's a chance he is held out for this game against Chicago. They're going to see how he feels, but um, the training staff will have to make that call because if Bruce feels like he's good enough to go, he will play through it, but they want to make sure that they're not putting their guys out there if they're not 100%. So... Um, I think that it's been kind of a fun experiment to see what this team looks like without Bruce. And so far, I haven't been that disappointed. I haven't really felt like I've been missing Bruce with how the team has played. Now, I, I agree, and I was just looking it up that uh, Vucevic did not play tonight. 
Okay. So he did not play against the Hawks. I don't know what that means uh, for, you know, if he will return or not. The the crazier thing was actually that Andre Drummond had a 20 and 20 game okay. tonight. So that probably um, happened against the Pacers yeah, if he gets that, 30 that, minutes again. <laughs> that is a man who used to give the Pacers fits back in the day. Drummond looked like, you know, Shaq against Pacers back then. He had 24 points, 25 rebounds against the Hawks tonight. But Vucevic, earlier in the season, when he played the Pacers, like we talked about, he gave Turner the business. He had 24 points, 17 rebounds. It it kind of feels like whichever big the Bulls throw out is probably going to eat. Shangun looked really good tonight. And I think that um, while you would prefer your chances against an Andre Drummond, you still don't feel great about it. But either way, um, I think this is a winnable game for the Pacers. They should not overlook Chicago. Um, and then, obviously, they'll they'll uh, return home against the Knicks. Just on the stay on the topic of big men and not getting too into it, Mitchell Robinson's been lost for the year. I mean, he's, he's a good defensive big. So these are two winnable games for the Pacers. It would be great to end 2023 on a three-game winning streak. But before we could do that, we just got to take care of Chicago. Alex, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, I just think that this was a big win for the Pacers. It, I hopefully I'm it puts them in heading in the right direction. I think it hopefully hope. kind of turns that ship around because it was going down a dark path. And when you have a lot of really tough games and they haven't been shooting the basketball particularly well, to see the ball go in early tonight was really refreshing for this team. And I think it just kind of gave them that confidence that they needed. And it wasn't just like one guy got hot. I think it was like six threes by six different guys to start out the game. So that is what six of six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you want to see just like everybody's cashing in, making the right plays, taking the right shots, nobody's forcing anything, and just playing a good brand of team basketball. And I think the Pacers, like you said, they limit these turnovers to maybe just 14 from 20. They win this game by t- double digits against the Rockets. They allow the Rockets to stay in it with their, you know, carelessness with the basketball. And you cannot do that against a team like New York. New York just beat Milwaukee on Christmas Day. Milwaukee, they've only lost one game prior to that in the month of December, and that was against the Pacers to get to the in-season tournament championship game. So Milwaukee has been thriving as of late, and we know that Milwaukee's waiting for the Pacers in January with a back-to-back. You got Boston coming up, Atlanta, two games against Atlanta, two games against Phoenix, two games against Denver. I mean, it is a brutal month of January, and my prediction, Fachi, I said I'm going to go ahead and give them a 9-8 and record in January, and they finish out the month of December going 2-1. and one. So that put me at 11-9, and nine, having the Pacers at 25-23 and 23 to head into February, hopefully with a trade kind of looming for us to get an actual power forward. But I thought I'm, I'm going to be nice here and give them the benefit of the doubt because everybody goes through a losing streak. Everyone goes through a couple, uh, you know, a couple of weeks where they're just not playing their great, the greatest basketball. But I do feel like the Pacers get up for the games that no one expects them to get up for. And I, I could see them just staying a couple games above 500. I really hope so. I really hope so. Because right now we don't have that record to back it up where we could just say, oh, we're ahead of schedule. It's like, are we? Or are we kind of just, you know, taking some baby steps forward? So right now I'm happy. 15 and 14. Good win. I do think that the Pacers ended up um, dropping this one to Houston and letting Houston come back. The outlook would be very, very different. That game against Chicago would really be a must win. And I also feel like you don't want to end 2023 on a 
you know, five game losing streak or and whatever it may have been or whatever it could get to. So I'm happy we got to win, but we got to keep it going from here because we have not quite arrived yet. Absolutely, Fachi. It's good to talk about a win and not talk about another loss and what went wrong, but get to talk about what went right and how the Pacers were able to kind of overcome some of those hurdles that they had to get over there in the second and third quarters and, and even in the fourth. But uh, just uh, just a really nice bounce back performance from the Pacers after dropping the last two to Memphis and Orlando. So go ahead, Fachi, as we close this out and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast, where you can find all of our post-game video recaps starting today because there has been some that I have not been able to post over the holiday season. It's just been a busy one, but we'll get back to putting these up on the YouTube channel. Um, I know some of you guys listen to that only and not on the audio platform, but if you want to go back and hear any of our thoughts on previous stuff, it, those are all uploaded to the audio platform. We would love for you guys to check them out there. But Fachi, if you're excited, the Pacers got a victory and Aaron Neeson, the second start of the season and Jalen Smith's first start of the season, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We go.